In this episode of 92i Talks, iconic performance artist Marina Abramovich discusses her life, work, and memoir, Walk Through Walls, with New York Magazine's Carl Swanson. It was recorded on January 25th, 2017, in front of a live audience at New York's 92nd Street Y. Oh. Let's start it. Yes, we're, um, we're going to have a slide <laughs> what a warm going audience, along here. Huh? And uh, we'll see if this is working. Let's see. It works. And so we're going to start, I guess, um, kind of as the book started, uh, you know, which is, um, which is the beginning. Uh, and this is uh, um, when you were growing up, um, and uh, in the old Yugoslavia, as you put it. And, uh, and here you are as a child as a, as a, as a, and as a devil. Tell me, uh, <laughs> and maybe, you know, maybe, maybe thanks to certain, like, you know, WikiLeaks revelations, it isn't that surprising. Um, but <laughs> tell me about what this world was like. Where you came from. All right. First, I have to tell you, Carl, even if we have a conversation together, we, I'm going to talk to these people. Yes. So I'm not going to look at you too much. But That's sometimes. okay. Uh, I, uh, uh... You know, you know I, I'm a performance artist. And uh, to make the performance, you can't do without public. Public and the performer make the piece. So to me, the public is really everything. Um, here, this photo is really important to me because it's, I'm three years old or four, maybe maximum. And this was the time after revolution, after the, you know, that uh, we uh, win the Second World War in ex-Yugoslavia. And, uh, you know, I was born in that time, in 46. And uh, there was the first time the, they could celebrate. And there was the, you know, families was making little um, maskenballs in those days. So that every normal, family who dress the kids in the princesses or the cowboys or uh, you know the the the, the uh, you know beautiful clothes and i have no idea why that was the only one that my mother dressed me as a devil <laughs> i i really look miserable there as you see because i was completely <laughs> out of place but you see that's really important point because from that point on everything went in its different way I became black sheep in a really real sense of the word. The um, should we move? Yeah, we can. I mean, because we are going to talk about uh, about your um, you know so much of your of your life. Um, you know, in the beginning of the book has to do with your relationship with your parents. It has to do with uh, I mean, the very idea, the title of the book, Walk Through Walls, has to do with uh, the kind of people that you came from. Their kind of their sense of determination as. Um, you know, as, as partisans um, in uh, in the war, and um, and and I was was wondering, you know, if you wanted to sort of talk a little bit about just sort of how that formed you, how that sort of became for you to become the person that you are, and have become. Let's just pay attention to this photo. <laughs> it's a very different look, but this, it of course, it, it was not dressed by my 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 mother. This was dressed by my grandmother, oh. and I look so proper. The little little jacket is red. The 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 white shirt, uh, the 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 shoes, the white proper socks, little head. But you see, very different than the devil story of the mother. But actually, when I was born, first of all, when, when it's, it's so much to do with, uh, with everything I do, actually, actually my background and my early childhood. When uh, my mother was, uh, when she was pregnant, um, 
she was uh, also leading the party meeting, and when her brother, whatever you know, you, the the broke the the, the the water that she was have to be given birth to me the night before. She was she was dreaming. She told me a long time ago that she actually was dreaming giving the birth to a huge snake, which is supposed to be me. <laughs> and then and then you know that the day when this uh, water broke down, she was doing the the conference party party meeting because she was absolute communist and uh, she didn't want to stop the party till they finished the, the whole thing so she was brought to hospital and I was born and when I was born I was immediately given to my grandmother and my grandmother so we are talking about now part mother and father partisans national heroes establishment of really red bourgeoisie and my grandmother who hate communism and just completely religious and hate these red devils. And she took me with her and I spent all the time in the church with her. And this is why I look so good and proper. And I stayed there till I was six years old. And then my brother was born and then I was brought to my family. And then all trouble starts. <laughs> <laughs> you dress rather like you are tonight. Sorry? You dress rather like you are tonight. <laughs> and now, yeah, exactly. And now that, let's say, the father. So the father, he, this is a liberation of Belgrade. He's on the white horse, and he's a hero, and he's always really, I mean, really good looking. And uh, the love story my mother and father was explained in the book. He, you know, he saved Incredible. her life, she saved his life. And everything was looking wonderful till the peace arrived. And when the peace arrived, they find out they're coming from two completely, you know, different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. My mother from rich family, my father from poor family. My father was communist already in the 30s, going to the prison for his ideas. My mother was just intellectually communist. It was kind of a good idea, you know, for her. And uh, she actually, she was born capitalist, never really liked, liked this all the kind of idea of the comradeship, togetherness, everything to share and so on. So when the peace arrived, you know, they find themselves they're two different people. Mm -hmm. My mother will go to ballet and opera, and my father will roast the pig in the kitchen with his friends and drink lots of vodka. So it was all different. And um, so my mother took education of me, which means French teacher, English teacher, that means the, 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 the piano lessons, the strict, everything has to be strict and, and, and the control. She even controlled the way I sleep. She would wake me in the middle of the night if I sleep too messy that I should sleep straight. So now when I go to the hotel, people don't think I'm there at all because they just open the bed and close, no wrinkles. <laughs> it was quite a love story. Okay, just, just to, if I'm already here, I just want to show. So my father died, my father died very disappointed in all this uh, communism and everything fall apart in, in ex-Yugoslavia and the war came, Milosevic and so on. So when he died, you know, I, um, I dedicate, I made a piece about my father and this is what I done. And this piece, my father was always riding on the white horse. And, but he never surrendered to change. He was not somebody who could surrender. So what I made this piece when he died, called The Hero, mm -hmm. when actually I um, sit on the horse. Don't ask me why horse is not moving on the wind. It was very difficult to do that. And then I have this, this, this flag. And the, you know, I want actually to dedicate my father this white flag in order to, to give him lesson that he should surrender to change. He could never surrender to any change. And the, the, the song is sing for memory is a Tito hymn, which actually today is forbidden in ex-Yugoslavia. This is so, uh, from 2001? This is 2001. When he died, I made this piece called The Hero. Okay. 
So, you know, everything to do with my life is kind of leaking into the work. So that's the one of the... No, one of the things that's very clear um, in your book, if you had a chance to read the book, is, uh, is how much you are both those people. You are your mother and your father in certain ways. And yeah. uh, um, that's true about all of us, I guess. Anyway. Yeah, it's the, it's the mix that actually make the whole thing. And this, I mean, nobody see this photo, only in the book. <laughs> that, because I was a painter, basically. And I started very young, you know, painting my dreams, because it was given to me. Dream was easy to do, to do, because you just go to sleep, you dream, and then dream comes and you paint them. And your mother yeah. was a pretty... Was, huh? Your mother was very interested in you being a painter and being an artist and being yeah. exposed to these things. Because this is like, you know, my mother was always dreaming that I should marry the lawyer, doctor, right. and uh, what it was the third, a lawyer, doctor, and architect, so that somebody can take care of me. And, yeah. and then she said, okay, she can be an artist, you know. But this... the moment I started doing performances, that was over. Because she could never stand, I never forget the story that I had, the, you know, the exhibition in the museum. And somebody called her and she said, your daughter is hanging naked in the museum. <laughs> this was the end. <laughs> that was pretty much the end. And these were, um, for a long time, you were painting clouds. That was, that was what you painted, yeah. right? And this is, uh, um, there's a story in the book, I guess, where you were um, watching a couple of uh, airplanes and yeah. realized, how, did you, how, how would you express this? It was like how you sort of realized you wanted to sort of have an effect on the actual world more than and just the canvas? Yeah, you know, I was, in the beginning I was painting the dreams, then I was painting the, the, the bodies, like the landscapes, and then I was painting the clouds. And I have this old incredible theory about the clouds. Clouds who are arriving, clouds who are projections, clouds and, the, and projection of the shadows, clouds who are attacking from cosmos and so on. And then one day I was just lying on the, on the field looking at the sky, and it was just beautiful blue sky and no one cloud. And uh, out of nowhere came these 12 military planes and, you know, with ultrasonic sound, they make these incredible lines. And they just, uh, you know, as they pass by, the lines stay for a while, disappear and became still white, the blue, blue sky. And I remember, that was like almost spiritual revelation for me. I remember I stand up and I say, but why I should go to studio and pay something two-dimensional when I can use anything I want? Because art, artists, can is have this miracle possibility to use earth and, and fire and water and the own body and even the planes. So I went to the military base and I asked for 12 planes to make a drawing that I envision. And they called my father and said, your daughter should take, take her out of here. Do you know how much it costs to <laughs> military planes fly in the sky for her? So that means the plane story was finished. But the plane story was finished, but um, I... Um, Oh, wait, I'm doing something yeah, wrong. No way. I'm going back. Ah, here. No. So military story was finished, but um, um, I, I never, never went back, you know? I never went back into the painting. I went to the Student Culture Center, and you see, when they say to me why I'm not feminist, I mean, this is the early, early, early story. It was a group of uh, these artists, as you see, one, two, three, four, five, six of us. I was the only woman there. All of these artists are still in Belgrade. I'm the only one who actually... Actually got out. Actually made it. And this is from around 1970? <laughs> this is from the 70s, you know. Yeah. And I always think that, that there's no difference between male art or female art. It's only one category, good art or bad art. So I just went to the world and, and become warrior. 
I like this photo because it's each of them have a different destiny. I somehow, I survive. This is a, uh, and you were, um, you were still in, uh, um, you were still in Belgrade all, all the way through the, uh, when did you leave? You left, you were, you were almost 30, right, when you left? It, I was You're in. Almost, when you finally left, left there. I, I was 29, exactly. I was 29 and actually escaped home because I fell in love with somebody in Amsterdam, and, uh, which was my new partner, which has worked together. And I remember that um, uh, my mother went to the police and she said, uh, you know, the daughter, this, you know, she ran away from home. And then they asked her... And you were what, 29. What, what is, yeah. What's her age? And she said, 29. He said, Kamara Dabramovic, we have more important <laughs> things to do. You know, it's about time. <laughs> So this was, uh, I stayed with home till I was 29, and I have to do all my performances before uh, 10 in the evening, because 10 I have to be home. But there is, a, there, is a, there is a good joke. Why the girls from good family go to bed 5 o'clock in the afternoon to be 10 o'clock home? <laughs> what are we? Okay, let's see what we have here. Okay, we're not going to show you things. And then I met Ulay, so that yes. was the man of my life at that time. We met on our birthday, we were same day born, and we live in this car for five years around the Europe and do performances. You know, with no money, we didn't have nothing, literally. We, we milked the goats, we slept in the car this way. We, um, this was all that we have, this little stove and bed and the dog. And this was a very happy time of our life, actually. I knew every shower in every gasoline station in Europe. And uh, so then this, the, the sum of the war came out is this piece called Rest Energy, which actually was pretty dangerous because if the ball, if one of us moved wrongly, the ball is pointed to my heart. I'll show you the video. The sound is the sound of the hearts beating on our chest. Let's do this. This piece is called Rest Energy. It's about this extra energy that you have to do to, to kind of uh, project in performance to be able to do this. And the two sounds of two hearts, just showing how the adrenaline is rushing up. How long does this last? Sorry? Last this was time. the shortest piece we ever made. It was only four minutes and 20 seconds. It was like lifelong. the one work. Then, you know, then we went to different cultures. We travel a lot. We, you know, with the car, we give up the car. Then we decide in the end of 70s was this change of the art. Everything, you know, the conceptual art and, and performance was, um, went out of fashion in some way because nothing was to sell and the artists could not survive. So the galleries, the dealers really made the pressure. And we didn't want to go back into this traditional way of mm -hmm. art. So we decided to go to deserts. So we spent, here is in Australia, in desert, we spent about one year with Aborigines in Central Australia. This is our floating breakfast, by the way. It's just the two pieces of dry bread, and I think some porridge and tea floating in the, some rock hole. And then we really play Adam and Eve there too in the middle of nowhere. This was a very important yeah. part for us. Because just, uh, you know, to see the world, how it really looks like. And, and you know, traveling around the, the, 
the Earth is actually not so big as it looks like. I'm getting claustrophobic. <laughs> okay, let's not do that. <laughs> how, uh, um, how long were you in? Uh, um, you were there for about a year? About a year, yeah. There. And, uh, um, but there was, uh, the intention originally was not to stay that long, or did you know how long you were going to be there? Sorry? How long were you, were you intending to be there for that long, that period of time? No, we, we got the grant from Australian government, uh -huh. and we wanted to, that, to, to let us first go to experience Outback. And you know, Australians, when they, they never go to the central Australian desert, because first it's very unpleasant, it's, it's, it's unbelievable hot, it's like 100, I don't know, 20 degrees Celsius or whatever. It's burning and lots of flies. So that they have to go somewhere. They go to Paris, London, Berlin, whatever. Sure. But they don't go there. But we went really to that place because it changed our life. It was a very important experience. But just kind of, let's kind of zoom for something. Let's go through this. No, no, no. I'm complaining about my life. Oh, this is wonderful. Let's see <laughs> this one. This is my favorite. No, wait. Okay. We have to be there at some point. No, this one. So. My brother sent me this postcard, and uh, I was happy for an entire day. It really put me in a good mood. So the name of this, of this image is this one. Uh, Montenegro man, which my family come from, very proud, is going on holiday with his mother and sister. But look the little bag he's carrying, but look the happiness of the mother and the sister face of the, how they're so happy to go with, with, with him on holiday. But now, you know, the, the, as we like these black drugs, because that's how we survive in, in, in our country. So now the story is that the things are radically changed after the war. So the mother and the sister is going in the front, and the proud man with the little back is going on the back. You know why? Because of minefields. <laughs> that's a black humor. Yes. It's, uh, um... And uh, of course, there is the piece that's kind of important to me. Uh, you know, when the Balkan War came, and uh, I was asked, you know, to, to comment, so many artists comment the Balkan War. For me, it was so difficult to do this because it was too close to my home, too close to my emotions. And it took me a long time to come to with, the, with the really right idea. And then finally, I came with this idea called Balkan, Balkan Baroque, which I'm washing these bloody bones for, you know, weeks, eight hours a day. And everybody knows that you never can wash blood because this is impossible work. And then when you see this image now, I was thinking I wanted to create something which was at that time for Balkan War. Mm -hmm. But this image have to this have... This is 1997. 97. Yeah. But this image have to have a power that can be used for any war, any time, mm -hmm. anywhere. And actually, you can, you can use in Syria, you can use whatever is happening in the world. It's very important when you're doing something which has political element that is not fixed on a certain event, that actually can be used in, in, the, in the time of need. This mm -hmm. is why art has to have so many layers of meaning. One layer is not enough. You have to have social and political and a prediction of future and disturbing, all these layers together, so that every society can take the layer he needs at a time. And this was, I think, when you, when you did this one originally, you also had the, uh, um, the two images of your parents, the interviews you've done with your parents, yeah. talking about their history um, as partisans. And the man who catched, the, I also interviewed oh, yes, the, man and the man who, ca who caught the rats. Who catched the rats. You know, I, met, I went to Belgrade, interviewed my father, my mother, and also the man who catched the rats. 
for 35 years of his life, he catch rats. And he created this story of how to make wolf rat in Balkan. The rat who kill every other rat. And this was became a kind of symbol of that war itself. Because nobody could explain how from one day to another day, neighbor can kill the neighbor, you know, in the cold blood after living together all these years. That's so incredible. that's the mystery. So let's move forwards. Yes. To the, oh, this is a happy one. And then, of course, that's a lot of work to, autobiographical for me is, you know, that is a very important part of my mm -hmm. life. I think about that every single day. So this particular work is, it's, it's a portrait with, with a skeleton. I actually um, uh, find somebody to create a skeleton exactly of my size. And I put on my body. And as I'm breathing, the skeleton is breathing. And become like, you know, you, you have to understand the temporality of your existence. So that's all. Oh, wait, actually, it's a video. Sorry, I forgot. Just to show you the breathing. Oh, no. This is the breathing. Do you breathe? Do I breathe? Oh, yeah, I breathe. So, so become that motion. And then, you know, and done lots of work with skeleton, washing skeletons or, or just a video of, or just walking with skeleton into this emptiness, you know, yeah. carrying your own. Well, you look like, rather like the, uh, the mother or the sister. Yeah, actually, I didn't think of this. Thank you. <laughs> this completely new view. Yeah. <laughs> so there is no brother only, but There's the rest. No only, yeah. <laughs> the brother's a metaphor. The brother, exactly. Uh, Levitation Santa Teresa, we don't care, wait, I just, okay, okay, this, <laughs> this is, this is a really... It is beautiful, though. Is this moving? Is that? Uh, now it yeah, is. Yeah, moving now. So, you know, then I was in one point of my life extremely depressed and sad, you know, things happen in life, you know, shit happens, as Tarantino say. So... I went to Lamu. This was after which, your this was after your divorce. I met a divorce. Life yeah. was you know life because you you had, you had, you had met this very handsome man and, you, and, huh? and you'd met this very handsome man in uh, in in Venice when you were being celebrated for the for that that piece and you lasted together for some time. Yeah, and, and then it, and it didn't. Uh, yeah, never, never, never fall in love with Italians and <laughs> artists. And I actually made, I made my manifesto saying, you know, the first thing, the first advice to every artist if he's here, don't fall in love with another artist. That's really don't work. You know, it's with anybody else, so to go to the, with the shepherds or scientists or, but not the artist. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good uh, um, love, love and you know, life advice in this book. You can, you can put it in the, in the self-help section. <laughs> so I am in desperate situation now. You know, donkeys are wonderful. First, they don't move much and they listen. So I am just complaining silently to donkey about my life. And then I was thinking, I was thinking, when the donkey is going to move? Because in the right moment, he moved little tail, he moved little ears. And in one point, after about four hours, he had enough, he just left. <laughs> so I didn't need to create any cut. It was natural. You know, he did work for me. So that's the donkey. Let me, let me go on. So what else we can tell you? Okay, this we know. This was really important. I went to study shamanism in Brazil, and it was very important this, for me, this image of, um, you know that sometimes the soul, it's stronger than the body. You know, the, and for me, the willpower is very important. So here, it's just this, this is not any Photoshop. I really put my finger on the flame and uh, and just stay there. And it was important manifestation of that, that actually with will you can control your body. Physical pain. Hmm? Physical pain. 
Sorry? Physical pain. Physical pain. Physical pain. Physical pain is, you know, the thing is that, that, that we have such a huge fear of physical pain. But what is interesting in performance, in my case, I most of the time was staging the difficult situations with the physical pain mm -hmm. evolving in the front of audience, but using energy of the audience, which I don't have in my own self home, but with energy of audience, you know, helping it, going through this process. And if I can get rid of my fear of pain, public can do same, you know? So it's a kind of a demonstration. When did you realize that? Hmm? When did you realize that? When did you sort of come to that realization that you can draw on, on the audience's energy to bring it to another, another point? But I think that happened with the first performance I ever made. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was so important moment. You know that I, first I was very shy as a person. I could not even walk on the street. I, uh, I could not believe that I actually became performance artist. Mm -hmm. But when I, and I had the incredible fear of getting to the stage and nervousness. And I remember the first performance I made, I went to the stage, I stand in the front of audience, I done the work, and I felt this electricity complete electricity, almost shocking through the, my entire body, that energy was going through me and I was giving it back. And I knew that it was so strong that I could never go back in seclusion of the studio anymore. It was not, I knew that I found my media. You know, it's for an artist, the most important to find is media, which is mm -hmm. the best to express work. Some people are born painters, some people are, you know, great, uh, you know, the, the, the writers or the filmmakers or, uh, you know, they do drawings. And to me, it was performance. And this is 55 years now, only, by the way. <laughs> I'm doing this thing. And works, you know? It's, you know, that I, I'm also, when I was giving long time lectures, I talk about this phenomena of body drama. Did I ever tell you, told you about this? No. You? no. Yeah. What is the body drama? It's very interesting. Body drama is very evident with the pop stars and the singers. Or the, or the people who have to deal with very, very large audience. You know, in the beginning of my performance career, the audience was like five friends, and then 20, and then 30, or 10. 60 was huge audience. And you know, now I'm facing audience of hundreds of thousands of people. It's a very different story. Mm -hmm. And I understand that energy much better. But if you are in the concert, let's say any concert of the pop stars, and you're having 350, or 500,000 of people in the stage, in, in front of you. So that energy going through you, and you're delivering this concert. But the body drama starts the moment when the concert is finished, the light is off, you and public leave. You are left with all this energy in your body. And this energy, if you don't have a key how to actually um, use it in, mm -hmm. in a positive way, this energy destroys you. This is why you have to take drugs, you have to take shoot heroin, you have to drink, you have to do anything, because you don't know what to do with this energy. It's mm -hmm. actually energy become destructive. So to me, it was very important to go to the East and to find ways in the spiritual you know, masters how they deal with energy, and that extra energy, and how you actually can communicate and become beneficial. Did you learn some of this in Australia, or is this more when you everywhere. started going to India? You know, it's the start in Australia changed my life. And then after this, everywhere else. You know, I've been traveling and looking into this, all this ancient culture. Because ancient cultures, we dis disregard it because we use technology. But actually, ancient cultures are incredibly beneficial because they learn you about the abilities of the body that we all have, except we don't use it. You just came back from, uh, from India. You came back from the same place that you went at the end of this book, right? Yes. 
which is, uh, what did I think it said, uh, there's a sign when you walk into this place that says, please leave your world here, which I thought was kind of amazing. I just came from India actually like two, three days ago. Yeah. You and know, you've been there for a month? Right here. We are my yeah. first event since I'm back, which was the really good thing. You know, the, the, I go to this Ayurveda place, they say, you know, like resort kind of thing. But now I came there and they, they, they just moved the word resort and put hospital. Now it's much better. <laughs> so now I know I'm where I am because it's, it's so strict. It's so radical. It's even almost too radical for me, which is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And wait. Uh, so, uh, I just want to go through a few more things. So this is really important thing to me, the way how to transmit the mission of what I'm trying to do to the public. Because in this part of my life, it's not anymore me doing performance in front of you. It's, it's to f actually transmit this experience to, to the general public. Because, you know, it's very difficult to... Um, to write or to, to tell you about experiences, what I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm. But it's so, and it doesn't really change anybody. You know, everybody can read a book about somebody who, you know, discovers South Pole and is wonderful experience. But he finished the book and he's the same because he didn't make the journey. It's very important the public made this certain journey. So in this piece is a serpentine, uh, the piece called 512 Hours, which I actually ask public in very simple way. You know, I bring them to the empty gallery. I remove all the works. The public become the work. So I, they have, they have the just simple, um, we just put the lockers. They have to put the watches, the computers, and uh, the telephones. So they don't have any of these technology gadgets with them. And then I give them headphones who to block complete sound. So actually, I bring them themselves to themselves. Mm -hmm. And I ask them to be there. So this is the one image that really can, you can actually transmit what Are happened there. It's the three generations, mother, father, and the son, standing there for hours. And, and, and actually, what was incredible with the, with the kid was when he put the headphones on, and not just this kid, but all the other kids who had come into exhibition, they said to me, oh, but they don't work. Of course they don't work. It's about <laughs> silence. Because they, these kids never, ever actually heard the silence. So yes. I had these Japanese groups. I have this, all these kids coming, 12 years old, 14 years old. Five, I had this huge young public now because mm -hmm. they actually start discovering things it's so simple, but it, then nobody gave them that possibility that, you know, no text no messages, input. no look in the computers, just be with yourself, silence. So the, to me, the public become the, really the, uh, through my institute also, but the public become my, uh, my main um, team for the work. You and know? this is a big part of what you're doing now, when the, the institute is sort of going from place to place and providing a context for... Yeah, because the, is, is actually also the institute become the, also my legacy. Because you know, when you reach, I just had this big birthday, 70, like, you know, the months ago. So now, you know, you, you have to really kind of control your time, because how much time is left, you know, mm -hmm. the, in, and uh, how much time you have left to actually create this legacy. And performance art is nobody territory, you know, you have to really establish performance art as something that is a true and profound experience that I really try to suggest people to, to take it serious. Wait, what we have to ask public something? Wait a second. Oh, okay, this is very... <laughs> nobody ever said something about this with me. It's the I best was, review you ever got. 
You know, I, I never cut, I, 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 I don't have that kind of vanity to cut everybody say something in newspaper about me. We say lots of different <laughs> things, up and down criticism. But this, I really like it. I, <laughs> I, I mean, this is the director of the Museum of All the New Art in Tasmania. And this was the front page of Australia. And I said, okay, this looks serious. What do you think? Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Oh, this is our last image. Okay, yes. I love this image. It's just, and then we, we, we figure out other things. Uh, we'll figure out other things. This is, what, this, this is up at your, at your place upstate? Yeah, but the story about the images, there is a story which I really like. So, we're talking old world Yugoslavia. We are talking Yugoslavia in the you know, 70s, like late 60s, 70s. You know, we broke, broke with Stalin. They didn't invade us. Tito find a way to come to democracy, you know, some kind of socialism, whatever. And he decided to, um, to publish first Playboy in, uh, in ex-Yugoslavia, never been before. I bought immediately the first, first the number. And you know what was the middle page, the central, is how you call it, centerfold? The centerfold, yeah. The centerfold, it was only red tractor, no girl at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, we are, but we are talking communism, really great, sexy new tractor, okay. very, very good. And, and so the last year, I have Annie Leibovitz, she came and she wanted to pick a portrait of me, and I told her the story. She said, okay. Let's put the girl on the tractor. <laughs> and then we ran the tractor, who is looks like from the 70s or late 60s, and we done upstate this image. It was cold, it was March, she put me in a swimming suit. But I really like this one. Look very revolutionary, what do you think? <laughs> um, absolutely. Did I, uh, um, okay, we have a few questions here. Okay, can I just say something about the book generally? Yes. What, why I, I wanted very important for me to say before we answer the questions that I dedicate this book to my friends and my enemies, and it's very important to me because so many friends become enemies and so many enemies become friends. So for all of them, I'm, I'm, I'm giving this book. And then also, it was very important to work with uh, James Kaplan, who was the, the my ghostwriter, who was wonderful, who made the before two other biographies. And I was thinking what the great company. One was the biography of, of Jerry Lewis, another was biography of Frank Sinatra. So now it's me. <laughs> it's like, what the combination. But anyway, he was the one who really listened to me. And, and also kept my voice in the best possible way through the, through the book, because he was also somebody who didn't ask me to, to speak chronological. He was telling me, just talk, and whatever associations we will put in a certain order. And then it was really process, it took us about two years to come with this book. And to me, this moment of my life is very important. It's, 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 life was not easy, it was difficult, and it was full of obstacles. But I wanted this book to be inspirational. If I can make it, then you can make it too. So that was about, you know, just not, and also not just about art people, but a book for the general audience, really general audience, who never heard about performance art, who doesn't know anything about what I've been doing or not. They really have to talk uh, to everybody. Okay. The, um, okay. Oh, by the way, oh, before yes. the answer, you know that we, I just was looking at this, you know that we're supposed, I don't know if you've done this, but we're supposed to talk about music, politics, humor, fashion, science, entertainment, current events, history, business, food, religion, and health. Well, maybe, you know, we should, uh... 
we didn't do religion and food, but no, we didn't really talk much. You know, uh, and um, health <laughs> about health. No, uh, um, we talked a little bit about. Uh, uh, um, well, no, never uh, mind. Let's do the I Did the uh, um, I want? I know one of the things that, that you had said to me um, when we were talking. You were talking about how you were hoping to um, create a sort of a, a holographic avatar for yourself to travel around the world. Would it be for things like this, for you to be able to sort of do? Do events and not have I to leave. I am so home. interesting in virtual reality, but let's. We're not going to talk about that right now. All right. And then maybe some virtual reality question there. There, there, there were. So wait, 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 wait. I was yes. thinking to do differently. Yeah. Okay. To betray? Okay, take the. Uh, what? No, I'm going to blindfold you first. Okay. So mix all the cards. <laughs> and then, wait, you don't okay. see it. Now I don't, pick I up. Don't. Okay, we'll pick a card. Okay, that's bad. This is John As long as Cage. I don't have to hold it up here and imagine what it is. Let's uh, um, one. What do you do if someone calls you crazy? But, oh, but this, oh, this is a wonderful question to open the whole thing. First of all, it's happened all the time. Yeah. It's not the, <laughs> you know, so, if I listen to criticism, and if I listen to what people are telling for me from the beginning of my career, I will not be where I am here now, ever. The only thing that I can do is to follow my own intuition and my own heart, and that's all. Because it's always, it's always, will be somebody who thinks that what I'm doing is not art, it absolutely doesn't have any value, and you're crazy. You know, when they built Alfred Tower in Paris, they said it was the most, the the ugly monument ever built in in, in France, and they have to be destroyed. When the Beethoven made the Fifth Symphony, the criticism at the time said it was the ugliest piece of music ever. So you know, you have to do you, what you have to do. And you don't see it as your as your responsibility to convince them. If what? If you don't see it as 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 your responsibility to convince them otherwise. No. Just do it. No. This is the thing. You can't you can't answer the criticism. You have to <clears throat> you you have to follow what you really think is right. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise you you will never you never do the proper thing if you have to satisfy everybody. This is mission impossible. Um. Oh, wait, blindfold. You didn't. Oh, blindfold. well, that's right. I'm just going to. I just flipped <laughs> to something else. Sorry. Do you feel you have told the stories you have wanted to tell, you wanted to with your art, or is there something still left untold? I, you know, I have so many questions with the people asking me if you will go in, in, a, in a back in your life and do you regret things or you would think to do things differently or you wanted to tell, you, you say everything, are there more secrets, all that. You know, I don't know. I, I really done maybe almost everything I always wanted to do. And there's so many things I still wanted to do and I have to really think, to consider the time I have in front of me. But I, uh, I basically sometimes takes 10 years, 12 years to, to do things, I do it anyway. I actually, I, I never, I never stop, <laughs> and I never, and it, to me, it's always the same. If you say no to me, it's just the beginning. <laughs> what have been the stop signs in your life? The stop sign is in my life, it's emotions. It's very, you know, it's very interesting. The physical pain, the, the, the willpower, this whole thing I can do very well. I don't know, I, I have this in me, I probably DNA. But emotionally, that's difficult. Emotional, it's it really, it's all related to love. You know, it's very difficult in my life to be with a man because I'm just too much for everybody. 
And, uh, and, and that's not easy because, you know, I have this total obsession that my work is everything to me. You know, it's, I, I, there's, you know, no kind of normal marriage can work or children or any kind of family structure that normal people have. Even if I always was thinking I should be pregnant, knitting pullovers and stuff like that, but I never did. I'm just a nomad and totally obsessed by work. Um, okay, I love your combination of strength and vulnerability. I think it's part of what makes your work so magic. We live in such a brutal world. How do you preserve your vulnerability and sense of wonder? I don't need to preserve. I'm just vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I, have this, I have this totally, this is so strange how contradiction it is, but it's really me. I, I have this strength of the horse, and then I can cry like a baby, and it's both truths, you know, and I'm extremely emotional. It's too much, you know, I probably, this is Slavic emotions. I, I remember that I was living a long time in Holland and I knew I was so strange there because they're so unemotional there. And it's just like, you know, for me to go to the movie, if I don't cry, the movie's not good anyway. <laughs> you know, and also my work, you know, people cry. Because I remember the friend of mine who is art critic, he said, I hate your work. Every time I see something, I cry. Because people like to create things intellectually. For me, you have to be hit by stomach, you know, you have to feel with the body, you have to feel with the heart. Everything's about heart, and that's vulnerable. What did you learn when you were doing, when you, when you did uh, um, uh, The Artist is Present and you sat there for all those months and you took in all of that energy? What did you, what did you come away from it? What, I, what, I what did you come away from, from, from doing that? What did you? This was, this, was, uh, this was almost supernatural. It was very hard to do. You know, I, I can't even answer this question. I just ask you, sit three hours without motion just for a day to see what happened. Just sit right. one hour to see what happened. Yeah. And then to understand what that meant. It's, it's almost impossible to describe. Let's go on with questions. How do you, <laughs> how do you conquer your fear or doubt? By confronting me. This is the only way to, 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 to confront your fear by, by facing it face to face. Because if you don't, then it's always there in your body and turn to sickness or illness or whatever. You, know, you have to have courage to confront things and go for it. Has the current political situation in the US inspired you to do any art? Sorry, Eve? Are you, are, has the current political situation in the US inspired you to do any art? More than ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is a great Sufi statement for a long, long time. They say, the worst is the best because they wake us up, you know? And this, if we ever have to be woken up is now. It's not, you know, it's very interesting what's happening. You know, it's so, to me, you know, to me to, to understand the severity of this. You know, the, our president right now in this country is the, it's, it's not about him. It's, it's about what brings, what circumstances brings that he actually become president is, is others. You know, it's, sorry? Yes, it's 50 million people. That's the thing, you know, who are the others? Who are the ones who bring this possibility? So that means that he's just, a, he's just a, how you call it, effect of something which is very serious. And, and, the, and I think that art, you know, to me, the art is, we don't need art in nature. 
nature is perfect without art. It's just kind of obstacle, I think, art in nature. We, we have to be inspired by nature. But we need art in disturbed societies. We need art that really can bring some clarity, create awareness, and wake up people. And that's the moment. As someone who has parents from, uh, I guess, the FYR, which must be Yugoslavia, I don't know. Sorry? Uh, um, I know how judgmental they can be. Did your parents eventually support your passion for performance art um, and, and, and being naked in public? No. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. My mother was fine with my paintings, you yeah. know, but the moment I, I, I got naked on the square and cut the five point communist star with a razor and burn myself in a star. I mean, are you out of your mind? She, she was criticizing communist meetings, you know, together with my father, like what kind of education is given to the child? It was like absolutely hell. My professors, you know, I, I was like totally ignored by that society. And this, was, I remember, the problem was, you know, when I came out of this complete rebellion situation, which I was actually doing it in, in ex-Yugoslavia, I went to Amsterdam. I went to Amsterdam in the 70s, but everything was possible. I mean, the people, the, the, the government people sitting in, in, a, in a, at the government smoking joints. I mean, the people was walking naked on the street. Nobody cared. So I came from this total restriction where I rebel into something where everything was free. I was really lost, because now what I do now, I mean, now we have to create all new, new boundaries, new restrictions. You have to face different fears. You have to, because so many people from East Europe will come to the West and they could not make the work anymore because it was not relevant anymore. So it was really difficult. You know, I have to kind of reinvent myself over and over again through years because, you know, we are talking about artists of 70s and this is, this is 2017, you know. 55 years later, I'm still around. So it takes a long time, you know, to reinvent for each period. And to me, very important is young generation of artists and young generation, because I can give them my experience, because I teach more than 25 years, but they can give me a sense of the time they live. So this is a good exchange. This is why, for me, young public, young generation is what, I, what is so important to fit and to, you know, to give them whatever experience. That's very important, um, kind of, you know. The dynamic, no, no. because I, you know, my generation will say, "Oh, nothing is happening now. Everything is bullshit," and it's nothing more sad than see 70 years, you know, for the artist from 70s doing the same shit from 70s. It doesn't work. It's, well, I mean, were you you up and moved to New York when you were almost 60, I think, right? This was I was so afraid. Yeah, I was yeah. almost 60. You know, in, in in America, it's very interesting. If you're not in, in in front of your eyes, you don't exist. They're amazing, great artists in Europe, but you don't know about them. So I had a career in Europe, and coming here, I was just in the beginning. But in the, end of, in, a, in the beginning of 60s, in my 60s, to be here was hard. I have to work double, you know, because competition is big. You know, in this, in this city live 375,000 artists, I mean, it's just all, all city. <laughs> you know how hard is that? What impact do you believe your work is making? And do you believe that it is, uh, received, it is received in your home of Serbia? Oh, it's, it's very complicated. You know, I have the young generation in, ex, in Serbia, in ex Belgrade. You were just there, Yugoslavia. right? You know, sorry? You were just there, right? You were there a couple months ago? Sorry? You, you were just there a couple months ago? No, no, I was in Novi Sad for something, oh, for something okay. different. No, for the, 
scanning for the virtual reality. That's different. Okay. No, no, no. I, uh, no, I, they're this young generation, they really, I'm kind of hero for them. Uh -huh. My generation hate me. My generation, there was a just article recently in newspapers saying, and now this Abramovich, she went to become international artist when she could not even make a drawing of the properly on the academy of the hand. And now she's selling us presents. That's what they say. Because for them, sitting on the chair doing nothing is absolutely no art. Never been. So I can't fight that. No. That is the game I lose. <laughs> um. But you see, it's like coming to this city, and what I come here, I have to come here with something, this is so simple. Like that same thing, like sitting on the chair, you know, like doing, just being in that moment, present, in the city who is so much about movement. Nobody have time, nobody's, everybody's rushing. And you have to, I was, I was visualizing this idea of tornado, like New York is like tornado of energy. All New York is built on granite. The, 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 how you call it, the ground is granite. So the clay will absorb the energy. Granite just bounces energy back. So you're constantly running and constantly nothing is finishing and constantly every day is a new thing. And I have to, in this tornado, to create stillness. And that's what I did. Because you, in every tornado there is a stillness in the middle. Do you think that you will um, remain here in New York? Do you but, find, is New York a, a, still a fertile place for you to... Uh, to do your work, or do you feel like there's another another place that you may go, another stage for you? No, I really think this is so interesting to be here right now. Mm -hmm. I think this is like a center of the universe in this moment, because it's so complicated and difficult for everybody. But you know, but talking about age, you know, for an artist, it's very important to know two things: to know when to stop to work, and how to die. And this is something that that's not too many artists pay attention to this. They overworked or they just die in anger and fear. And I really think when I come the moment when I know that physically or mentally I could not deliver a new important work, I have to consider stopping. And, uh, and then, you know, I really love to go anywhere, like a monastery or something, be with animals and nature and not in the old man house. I mean, because I'm so interesting about this all dying without fear, without anger, and consciously. And this thing, you have to prepare your part of your life to do that. It's not just happen like that. You have to have the kind of spiritual training for this. Because that's very important. You know, people are so sad, dying sadly with the sickness. You know, of course, they can just go out and be hit by truck. Mm -hmm. But I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, that is, that's very important. Is, uh, um... Now we get into such as the, you know, kind of uh, mood. Let's... Uh, the, um... But a part of this is not going to happen soon because right now I feel really good. And I was saying now from the, my, from 70s on, I, I just gave an interview recently, I want to have more humor. I want to be hilarious. I really, yeah, I a lot think of don't realize that you're humor funny. is so important to love, first about yourself and then about everything else. Because, you know, it's very interesting, His Holiness Dalai Lama said once, you know, when you use the right humor, you can say the terrible truth and go straight to your heart. And that's very important. Humor opened the heart. That's, and you have to have the right humor. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. A lot of people think when they meet, they assume that you're sort of dour because of your you're being a performance artist, but you're actually 
you know, uh, I'm someone who just who, who tells dirty jokes all the time. No, I'm um, totally hilarious. I mean, but <laughs> if anything. Uh, but also, you know, like I do the most difficult performance. I put my life on the on the there, you know, in the task. And then after this, after performance is finished, I'm so happy. I just want to have ice cream. But it's so natural and normal. Yeah. You know, and I hate to talk about difficult themes. You know, I give everything. But also, the one thing when you do performance, which is so important in that moment when you're really dealing with public, I realize since some time that 100% of giving everything to performance is not enough. You give 100%, but that 20% above 100, this what makes magic, that what makes, that makes electricity, that what makes so special, that what makes things, you know, change. That is a transformation. Performance can be transformative if it's a good one. What you do now? What? We, oh, we're going to say uh, food. We're going through all we're these going things. to say food. Um, <laughs> <laughs> business. There is a business food health. We're gonna. Um, uh, well, we're gonna go and and um, you're gonna sign books, and yes. um, uh, for everyone here. And uh, um, I guess in the end, I just wanted to sort of ask you know when you know the process of making this book. What did you sort of what, what did you sort of leave behind from doing it? Was it important the for future. you? The future. I, I, I actually said everything. You know, the book is, in, of course, I, I have much more. I have more than 700 hours of the talking mm -hmm. to James Kaplan. And we have editors who probably here who are being really like strict, you know. No, 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 let's make it. I actually fight, it was only 12 chapter. I want so much to have 13, because 13 yeah. is so unlucky number here, but I love 13. <laughs> <laughs> so we had 13 chapters. But I really want, oh no, oh that's chapter, you see I'm telling wrong, chapter. The yeah. worst thing was for me, it was even not the making the book, it was making audio for the, this was the difficult because I, my English is so bad, as you see. So I'm sitting with two editors in the in the studio, and I start reading, and I say, chapter, and he said, no, chapter, chapter. Right. So, and then took me 18 days, hours and hours, and finally we done the sound. So you can also listen my bad English Slavic accent <laughs> in the Kindle. But yeah, that's the. I would like to sign the books. Whoever like me to, to, whoever want to buy. <laughs> okay. The book has been translated in 15 languages, actually, it's right, right now. It's already out, the English version, the Penguin, British, uh, Italian, uh, in Taiwan. I don't know who's reading Taiwan, my biography. But there's a Taiwanese already printed, you know, German, Italian, Spanish, Polish, whatever. You know. And you have, a, uh, um, and you, you have a, a children's book also, right? Which one? You have a children's book you're writing next? Oh my God, I just done a children's book. Okay, so the, I, the Anderson, Anderson, the, the, you know, the, the one with fairy tale. Yeah. So they ask the, the Kusama, this wonderful artist, she made the illustration of the Little Mermaid. And they asked me what I would like to do. And they, everybody was thinking I would like to do something, the, the, the girl with the matches or invisible king clothes. <laughs> but I love the ugly duckling. That's my favorite. I so identified with ugly duckling. So I've just been finishing drawings for ugly duckling. You know, the little duck who becomes one. Yeah. That one. It's a metaphor, in case you didn't know. <laughs> it was so wonderful joy to do that. So you will see soon Ugly Duckling by me. <laughs> and uh, um, so thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Thanks for listening. 92Y Talks is supported by a generous endowment established by Daphne Reconati Kaplan and Thomas S. Kaplan. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and find more great conversations at 92yondemand.org.